welcome to the preaching ministry podcast of Mount Pisgah Baptist Church in Easley, South Carolina. Our goal is to exalt the Savior, evangelize the sinner, and encourage the saint through faithful exposition of God's Word. If you want to grab your Bibles and be finding Nehemiah chapter 7, Nehemiah chapter 7, this is our 11th message as we have walked through the book of Nehemiah. We have entitled this series, Against All Odds. After some 70 years of Babylonian captivity, the Jewish people have made their way back to Jerusalem. You'll remember they came under the first wave of Zerubbabel over there in the book of Ezra, and they rebuilt the temple. And then they restored proper temple worship. Some years later, Nehemiah got word that the walls of the city still lay in ruin and the gates had still been burned with fire. And Nehemiah had a deep desire to go to Jerusalem and rebuild those walls and put the gates in place because a walled city was a wonderful city. It would have provided protection for the people. And so Nehemiah makes his way back and begins a building project. And we know that in the midst of this building project Nehemiah was involved with, there was opposition, there were attacks from the enemy. But Nehemiah said this about the people in chapter four. He said, these people have a mind to work. They set their mind to accomplishing what God had put on their leader's heart to accomplish. And in 52 short days, they accomplished a great feat in rebuilding this temple. But the rebuilding of the temple... And the rebuilding of the walls is never about a building project. Yes, we're in the midst of a building project now. All of it's on paper. Hopefully in a few weeks, we'll see it in front of our eyes. But God's not building projects. God is building people. And he's building his church. And the people that are going to live inside of these walls of Jerusalem are going to be there for generations to come. And Nehemiah is going to show us that it is very important who is allowed to come inside the city. Now, verse four tells us that there are very few people in the city. And Nehemiah is getting ready to watch the city be populated. You can read about that in Nehemiah 11. It really begins to explode in Nehemiah 11. But the growth that is going to happen in the city of Jerusalem really begins in chapter seven And it's really interesting to me how Nehemiah is very careful about who he lets come in, who he lets go out, and who he appoints in positions of leadership. If you ask Nehemiah, Nehemiah, what is it that motivates you? What is it that causes you to continue to be about the main thing? He would say two things, I believe. Number one, God put it on my heart. And I want to be obedient to what the one true God has put on my heart to do. And number two, there's a generation that needs to know that Jesus is the way. And so this morning, I wanna preach on this subject. It's always about people. It's not about projects. It's always about people because it's people that make up the bride of Christ. It's the church that is making a difference for the cause of Christ that's making an an eternal difference. And so today, let's consider it's all about 
people. Let's stand together and begin reading in Nehemiah chapter seven and verse one. Nehemiah chapter seven and verse one. Scripture says, now it came to pass when the wall was built and I had set up the doors and the porters and the singers and the Levites were appointed that I gave my brother Hanani and Hananiah, the ruler of the palace, charge over Jerusalem. For he was a faithful man and feared God above many. And I said unto them, let not the gates of Jerusalem be open until the sun be hot. And while they stand by, let them shut the doors and bar them and appoint watches of the inhabitants of Jerusalem, everyone in his watch and everyone to be over against his house. Nehemiah is basically saying, we need to know who's coming in and who's going out. Well, there's a lot of preaching I could do right there, but it wouldn't any of it be biblical. <laughs> Some of y'all picking up what I'm putting down, but verse four, now the city was large and great, but the people were few therein and the houses were not built. And my God put into my heart to gather together the nobles, the rulers, the people that they might be reckoned by genealogy. And I found a register of the genealogy of them, which came up at the first and found written therein. These are the children of the province that went up out of the captivity of those that had been carried away, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away and came again to Jerusalem and to Judah, everyone in his city. Nehemiah says, I found a register, I found a list, if you will, of everybody that had been taken into captivity. I got a list of those that have returned to Jerusalem. And you read that list through those 63 verses. <clears throat> and then we come to verse 64. <clears throat> Where if you are looking for a name for your children, Lauren, Colin, I know y'all have already got a name picked out. But really through verses uh, 8 through 63, there's some great names through there. And if any of you would like to, I'd give you a microphone and you could come up here and read the rest of these names to us if you're going to be upset at the fact that I'm not going to read them. And the church said, Amen. verse 64, these sought their register among those that were reckoned by genealogy, but it was not found. Therefore were they as polluted put from the priesthood, verse 70. And some of the chief of the fathers gave unto the work. Then Tershatha gave to the treasure a thousand drums of gold, 50 basins, 530 priest garments. And some of the chief of the fathers gave to the treasure of the work 20,000 drums of gold, 2,200 pound of silver. And that which is the rest of the people gave as was 20,000 drums of gold, 2,000 pounds of silver, three score and seven priest garments. So the priests and the Levites and the porters and the singers and some of the people and the Nethanims and all Israel dwelt in their cities. And when the seventh month came, the children of Israel were in their cities. Heavenly Father, as we walk through this today, Lord, would you speak to our hearts? Would you, Heavenly Father, challenge us today? And God, I pray that at invitation time, there would be conviction of, Lord, maybe where we have failed you, that, Lord, we might have our fellowship restored unto you today. And then, Lord, I pray that we would 
be obedient to what it is you call us to do through your word. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You may be seated. From the beginning of redemption's plan, it's always been about people. And we've learned that Nehemiah is a great leader. And through God's help, he has completed this incredible task of finishing the walls. And there's a couple of things that I want you to see as we walk through this. Three points. Number one, the report of the people. Nehemiah is going to provide a report of what is going on. And he knows now that all of the things are done that needed to be completed. The, the temple is done. The, the wall is done. And so what is Nehemiah going to do first? I want you to see, first of all, their worship. In verse 1, the Bible says here, that now it came to pass when the wall was built and I had set up the doors and the porters and the singers and the Levites were appointed. Here's what Nehemiah did. Man, they finished the building of this wall. God had done a great work. He said, get me some singers together. Get me some musicians together. Get me some priests together because we, we, we're gonna praise the one who has accomplished this task through us. We're gonna worship the one who has done a great work right here in front of our eyes because in just 52 days, in the midst of great opposition and in the midst of attacks from, from uh, Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem and all of these rascals, we have accomplished what God has sought out for us to accomplish and it's because of him and we're just going to stop for a minute and say glory to his name. I'd say this to Mount Pisgah Baptist Church, every now and then we ought to just stop for a minute and say glory to his name. We've seen God do miracle after miracle in this place. We've seen folks saved. We've seen, seen relationships restored. We have seen God do a mighty work in front of our eyes and they got together. They had a, they had about 400 singers. I told brother Jeremy, we'd love to have a 400 voice choir up in here, man, and just have 400 people raising their voices. There's something that happens when a, when an entirety of a group raises their voices to heaven and begins to sing. And I can't imagine what old Nehemiah is standing over there doing, man. He's looking at that wall. He's looking at the temple. He's seen all the good things God has done, man. And that choir's just a singing. And I wrote in my notes here, I bet it got on during that service, man. I bet people just couldn't help themselves. People have said to me, every now and then they said, preacher, I'll be honest with you, man. Sometimes I get in my, in my pew, man, and I, and I, I can't help it. I just want to shout. And I say, what you waiting on? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Amen. Amen. If you could stand up here beside me, you wouldn't want to, but you could hear me singing. And I've got some guests with me today that are good friends of mine. So I didn't sing very loud because I didn't want them to think poorly of me. Amen. But man, they just worshiped. What a, great, what a great word for us. We moved into this building in October of 2018. And in just a few years, it was paid for, it was debt-free. And man, we had, a, we had a time in here just celebrating what God has done. This past week, we, we, we saw more people here than we've ever seen for VBS. We saw children saved by the glory of God. We saw more people serving than we've ever seen before. And I think every now and then we ought to just stop and say, Lord, thank you for your blessings on this place. Nehemiah just said, hold on. Before we go any further, let's just say thank you, Lord, for the good things that you have done. We see their worship, but then we see their watching. Nehemiah is going to appoint some folks to be some watchers over the city. Brother Jordan, 
You watch everybody that walks in that door. You watch everybody that walks out that door. And you don't let nobody come in that door that ain't supposed to come in that door. Now, here at Mount Pisgah, we welcome to anybody, amen? But I'm just trying to make a point right here, all right? You don't let anybody come through that door that ain't supposed to be in that door. And you set up watch there because we need to know what is going on because Nehemiah didn't want the enemy infiltrating and setting up camp inside the city. But there's something interesting to me about the type of person that he put in charge. It's found right there in the last part of verse two. And he speaks of Hananiah. And these are the qualities of Hananiah that would have caused Nehemiah to have confidence in him and put him in a position of service and a position of leadership. It says this, he was a faithful man. That's the type of people that Nehemiah needed to be in positions of leadership. That's the type of people that Nehemiah wanted to be at the wall. He was a faithful man. That word faithful means that a man of truth, it means a steadfast man or a reliable man. Psalm 101 verse six says, mine eyes shall be, on, shall be upon the faithful of the land. First Corinthians chapter four and verse two says, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. John Wesley said this, give me a hundred men that love nothing but God and hate nothing but sin and will shake the whole world for Jesus Christ. Amen. And so here's, here's some faithful men. And Nehemiah said, that's the kind of people that I need in leadership. And just a few Weeks, we're gonna, we're gonna nominate deacons here at Mount Pisgah. You know the kind of men we need? Men that are faithful. Listen, don't write down some man's name on a piece of paper that you can't find on a, on a Sunday night. Let me say that again. Don't write somebody's name down on a piece of paper to be a deacon in this church and you can't find them on a Sunday night. By the way, we got services on Wednesday nights too. I know some of you didn't know that. 6.30, right here, every week we do this. So you come out. Faithful men is who Nehemiah put in charge. They weren't only faithful, but he says what about them? They feared God above many. These people that Nehemiah was putting in charge were faithful, and they had a healthy fear of the Lord Jesus. Now, this is not a fear that would cause us to be timid or be scared, but this is one of those holy reverence things that would produce love and respect. I had a healthy fear of my father. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, that was back when your dad took his belt off and, and hit your reset button a few times and got you back in gear. Amen. I'm talking about, I'm talking about a healthy fear. And Nehemiah says, these are the kind of people I need in leadership. Those that are faithful, those that fear the Lord. And I want you to notice not only what he asks those leadership guys to do, but he says this to a larger group. Listen, listen to what, what he says in verse three. And I said unto them, let not the gates of Jerusalem be opened until the sun be hot. And while they stand by, let them shut the doors and bar them. He essentially says, these gates are usually open from sunrise to sunset, but we're not doing that. We're going we're to open them up during the hot part of the day, and we're not going to keep them open for anybody to just come in and go out. We're going to make sure we know who is coming in. And we're going to protect what God has given us. But then notice what he says in the last part of verse 3. And everyone... 
to be over against his what? His house. You know what that suggests to me? Is Nehemiah said, Dale, you protect your house. Jordan, you protect your house. Now, I would probably do a better job of protecting my house just naturally than I would protect your house. Because my kids are inside my house. My wife is inside my house. So I'm going to do whatever I got to do to protect my house. Nehemiah's a great leader. He says, you go protect your house. Hey, moms and dads, you know what we've been called to do? We've been called to be watchmen for our children. And we ought to be watching over their welfare. And there is a, there is a culture out there that wants to destroy our children, that wants to destroy their thinking with unbiblical worldviews. And you and I have to be the gatekeepers. But you know what has happened? If we're going to be good gatekeepers in our homes, we better figure these things out right here. Listen to this. 42% of children have a smartphone unsupervised by the time they are 10 years old. You think your eight-year-old can't find something on here that they don't have any business looking at? It's awful quiet up in here. Seventy-one percent of children have a smartphone unsupervised by the age of 12. Ninety-one percent of children have a smartphone unsupervised by the age of 14. And 85 percent of our children under the age of 18, say that a non-parent is the most influential person in their lives. Church, listen to me. We're building this building, and it's going to just be bricks and mortar. But what's important is who's going to be on the inside of that building. Because this culture is coming after our children in a greater way than it ever has before. They've told us as much. This crowd has said, we are coming for your children. And you know what I say? Not on my watch. Not on my watch. And every parent ought to stand up here and say, not on my watch are you getting, at, getting after my children. I'll do everything I can to protect them. I'll do everything I can to protect my wife. I'll do everything I can to protect my children. I'll do everything I can to ensure that the enemy doesn't come in and rob us of our children. We should be those who are standing on the wall and protect. Listen, Under Armour had it right long, uh, or, or the Bible had it right long before Under Armour stole it. We must what? Somebody help me. We must what? Protect this house. Amen. So mom and dad, what's the report? Are you watching? There's the report of the people. I got to hurry. Then there's the registry of the people. Now there's a list of names that really shouldn't be completely unfamiliar to us because this list of names is also found in Ezra chapter two, when we walked through the book of Ezra. And Nehemiah tells us in verse five that the Lord put it in his heart to gather the people by genealogy. 
In the last part of verse five, he says, I found a register of them. And these are the people who made their way out of Babylonian captivity and came back to Jerusalem to be in service. They'd been in captivity for some 70 years and now they might make their way back. And Nehemiah said this about them. They had a mind to work. It's the type of people that we want in roles of service. These are people that had a, we can do it attitude. These are people that said, we'll do whatever needs to be done, Nehemiah. But unfortunately, this list of names is far fewer than it should be. Estimates are when Joshua and the children of Israel entered into the promised land. When they crossed over River Jordan and went into the promised land, estimates were somewhere around 800,000 people. Here we are where Jerusalem has been taken or the southern kingdom of Judah has been taken into Babylonian captivity. Commentators vary. Some say a million people went into captivity. Some say three million went into captivity. So I'll just split it down the middle and say there was two million, all right? So there's two million in Babylonian captivity. Nehemiah is going to list out all of those that made their way back to get busy doing what God had called them to do. So of some two million people, you know how many went back? Less than 50,000. A small minority of the people said, hey, put me down. Now, I bragged on our church just a few minutes ago that we had more volunteers during VBS than what we've ever had. But there's a lot more service that happens around this place than just one week out of the year. We could use volunteers anywhere. Whatever God's burdens you with, whatever, however God's blessed you, we'll find a place for you to serve. I told this story earlier this week. Because, listen, the truth of the matter is, is if you're saved by God's grace and God's put you here in this church, you ought to find a place of service. You really should. It would be, a, it, it would be something that would bring great joy to you that you have not yet experienced. Now, some of you can't serve. Man, time has uh, caused your body to become weak in your prime time or years, but you pray and we have got prayer warriors all over this church. And I thank God for you. But there were more people that should have been serving in Jerusalem than were. I told this story earlier this week. I preached at a revival several years ago in another state. I preached Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. And I noticed it was one of those traditional Baptist churches with the little shotgun pews, you know, center aisle. And I could get down and close to these people, man. I was, I was about this close to them, right? So it's just us right here. I'm preaching, I'm preaching. Preach Sunday morning, Sunday night. Well, the pastor's wife was in the nursery Sunday morning, Sunday night. I went back to preach Monday night, Brother Dale. His wife was in, this, in the nursery Monday night. Went back Tuesday night. His wife's in the nursery Tuesday night. Well, by Wednesday morning, I felt like I'd done had enough. I didn't know these people. I probably wasn't going to come back anyway. So I just decided I'd let them know it. So Wednesday night, I got up there to preach. And I said, before I preach, I want y'all to know something. Your pastor's wife has been back there in that nursery every single night of revival. She was in there on Sunday morning as well. I think somebody ought to find a place of service in their hearts and go and keep that nursery for at least one service so your pastor's wife can get out here and enjoy some preaching. 
Nobody moved. <laughs> I'm standing here going, You know what I did? I killed my love offering is what I did. That's what I did. <laughs> just, just absolutely killed it. <laughs> Two million. Fifty thousand. If God's put his hand on you to find a place of service inside this church, at the end of the Service this morning, step back there to next steps and let's find a place for you to get busy serving. Because there were far fewer names on the list than should have been. There were those who were present. But then there's some, there's some tough stuff right here. There were those who were polluted. Look at verse 64. There's a list here that Nehemiah gives that says they sought their register among those that were reckoned by genealogy, but it was not found. There's a group here that are trying to come into Jerusalem who cannot prove that their forefathers were Jewish. Can you see them standing there? Hey, look at the list again, Nehemiah. Surely my name is on that list. But regardless of how many times Nehemiah checked the list, their name was not there. Nehemiah is about to establish a residency inside the city and he's going to know who is there and only the ones that are of Jewish descent are going to be let in. Some say that it's the parents of these that really should bear the burden of this because they did not keep proper records and pass down the right things to their children. There's a lot to preach right there. And their children had to deal with hardships because they're Parents didn't pass down the right stuff to them. There's the report of the people. Man, they're worship and they're watching. There's the registry of the people. And then finally, let me give you this. There's the resources of the people. It starts in verse 70. And the Bible says this. Some of the chief of the fathers gave unto the work. The final part of this registry that Nehemiah is reading, it really records and takes an inventory, if you will, of those who made financial contributions to the temple. These are the people that invested their resources in the work of the Lord. Now, if you've been here any period of time, I talk about the faithfulness of our giving and I talk about how wonderful it is that we have a church that has a heart the size of Texas that gives and gives and gives. And, and I've also discovered this, that when you talk about giving, those who give don't have a problem with it. Somebody help me right here. Those that give don't usually have a problem with it. They don't get uptight. But notice a couple of things. Number one, the record of the giving. Here's what this says to me is God's keeping a record. And we can fool others into thinking that we're givers, but we'll never fool a, so a sovereign God. And the fact that God keeps a record of our giving is an encouragement to the faithful giver, but it's discomforting for those who would rather tip than tithe. It's those who would say, well, pastor, I, I'm going to give of my service. And if I give of my time, that should be equal to my tithe. Well, that's a good idea, except that's not what the Bible teaches. I knew that would be quiet. It's quiet in the first service too. Notice who gave. Chief of the fathers. You know who was given? 
Leadership was given. How can we as leaders implore you to give of your resources if we too aren't following and practicing what we preach? I don't have a clue what one person in this church gives. Have no idea what you give. I've never checked your giving. But from time to time, I will call our treasurer. And here's what I ask her. Is our staff tithing? You say, Pastor, that ain't none of your business. Oh, yes, it is. I don't know what they give. I don't know how much they give, but I'm asking, do they tithe? Because if the answer's no, guess what? They don't get to be in leadership. Because if we ain't gonna practice what we preach, how in the world are we gonna stand up here and ask you to do the same? And the church said, amen. amen. There's that person gonna give that million dollars. Amen. Good night. What always gets tight when you talk about giving. There's the record of the giving. There's the refusal in the giving. There's a word in verse 70 that jumped off the page at me. Notice the second word in verse 70. And what? Some. You know what that indicates to me? Is that they didn't all give. They were faithful to leave Babylon. They were faithful to get involved in the work. They just weren't faithful to give. You've heard about the guy that got baptized and as he was going under the water, he reached in his back pocket and held his billfold up so that it didn't get baptized. <laughs> but they were faithful in the work. But they saw no need to invest of their resources. And Nehemiah lists all of these folks. And he says, there are some, man, they're, they're, they're given, they're involved in service. There are others that are involved in service, they're not giving. And I just encourage you today, whatsoever he says unto you, do it. As you pray about giving, as you pray about what God would have you to give, here's what I have come to learn in all of my years of ministry, is you just be obedient to what the Lord says and all of it will take care of itself. So here's the invitation. There's the report of the people. And here's the report. Man, they were worshiping. They were worshiping. Thankful for what God had done. But they were watching because they wanted to ensure that the enemy didn't come in and corrupt their children, corrupt their families, and stop the work that God was doing. It could be this morning, we got some moms and dads that just want to find a spot on an altar and say, Lord, would you help us with our children to be watching and be on the wall that the enemy would not come in and have his way with our kids. Help me be a watchman on the wall, Lord. So the report is they were worshiping. They were watching. But the registry, there were some names on the list, some names that were not. And this list is a list of those who were in service. And I know this isn't about salvation in this particular text, but I can't help but think of 
a list of names and there be some names missing. You see, there's going to be the book of life that's going to be opened one day. And it's a list of names. And it's those names that are recorded in that book that have been redeemed by the good grace of God. My question to you this morning, is your name in that book? Do you know where you're planning on spending eternity? If not, I'd love an opportunity to counsel with you, to talk with you. Our pastors will be here to talk with you about that. You just come forward during the invitation and say, Pastor, I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know that heaven would be my final destination when I leave this place. We would love to walk you through the scriptures and help you know how to have a relationship with Jesus. Some of you, maybe God's put on your heart today. It's time to get busy in service right here at Mount Pisgah. I praise the Lord for that. Let's go. Let's get busy. There's the report of the people. There's the registry of the people. And then there's the resources of the people. Here's what you'll find out. Is there was a bunch of people that came together. And as, a, as they came together and pooled their resources, God's going to continue to bless them. And maybe today God's nudged you about your giving, about your consistency of giving. Whatever it is he has nudged you about, just be obedient to what it is he's called you to do. We're going to stand to our feet. We're going to have a song of invitation. And this morning, again, here's the invitation. God, help me be a watchman on the wall. Help me to be a person of worship. Lord, I pray you would help me to watch and protect my family. Lord, put my name down on the list of those who want to serve. And Lord, I want to be faithful in every area of my life, including my stewardship. Maybe today is the day that God has for you to join this fellowship. Maybe you need to get your baptism on the right side of your conversion. Around here, we say John chapter 2 and verse 5, whatsoever he says unto you, do it. You come as we sing. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the preaching ministry podcast of Mount Pisgah Baptist Church. If you'd like additional information, please visit mtpisgah.cc.